Hello everyone, my name is Jim. Hi, my name is Kit Karen. And we host the Forgotten News Podcast. Jim, I know we're in the middle of recording the promo for our podcast, but a thought just occurred to me. Okay. People praise the future because it is blank and featureless. They're afraid of the past because it is full of real and living things. Wow, Kit, that is absolutely true for most people, but not for us. On our podcast, we tell true stories from before you were born. Stories that made headlines maybe for a day or a week, then disappeared just as suddenly. It might be a true crime story or an unsolved mystery. It might be a strange or spooky story. It might even be a funny story. (laughs) And if you want to hear some exciting stories about Franklin Roosevelt, Susan B. Anthony, or Alexander Hamilton, well, I'm sorry, you'll need to find a different podcast. Yes, indeed. Because our show tells the stories of the footnote people from history. And sometimes, the people who didn't even make it into the footnotes. If you are someone who would like to hear lost but true stories from long ago, then you should definitely listen to the Forgotten News Podcast. Yep. The Forgotten News Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, and nearly every podcatcher out there. So, don't be afraid, cat. Just tune in and listen to the Forgotten News Podcast. This episode of the Martinis and the Macaw Podcast is brought to you by Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss Podcast, Hunter from Murder and Such Podcast, and our great friend Cooper. Cooper! Thank you for the ice cubes. To become a Patreon subscriber, please go to patreon.com backslash martinis and the macabre, and then we'll give you a shout out as well. Also, a bunch of cool swag, depending on how much you want to come out of your wallet. And thank you for your donation. Oh, we're going to start the podcast now, so just go ahead and keep listening. Erica, go. Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. day of celebration for what on the day we're recording this is the fateful day that the titanic struck that iceberg um it goes uh from today until tomorrow because clearly that's a big fucking ship and it took a minute yeah so we're sorry and our hearts go out to all the victims who perished on the titanic but hats off to the Ice Bucket Challenge champions of the fucking world. <laughs> They're the pioneers. Oh, my God. Uh, name one person that could beat that fucking record. <laughs> Not Jack. Not Jack. On his fucking door. There's clearly enough room for two of them. What's weird is if there was a pool on the Titanic, it's never going to be empty. Ever. Fucking ever. No. Never. 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 <laughs> I 
guys. Welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name's Erica. I'll be your host this evening. I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Billy. I got all my farts out, so I think I'm good. Are you sure? Don't make me check. Uh, Every fart, really, at the end of the day, especially once you pass 35, is a gamble. And I kind of don't want to roll those dice. Somehow, I don't believe you. You pass a lot of gas. I don't feel anything now. Oh, do you remember this morning when I, before I went to work? Yeah. I farted hard. Mm-hmm. Actually, it woke me up, and then I decided to just push my way through it, and then I giggled. I giggled because there's a fan at our feet. Yeah. <laughs> Friendly fire. Yep. You know, I love you more and more every day. Mm-hmm. And you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I think sulfur came out of my ass. Pretty kinda, sure it was. Kind of burned. Uh, all right, so what are we doing tonight? All right. So we've got one that's actually really exciting for me tonight. Okay. Um, you say it's exciting. I say, okay, guys, listen, this is fucking weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's so cool. And this is a true crime podcast, so guess what? <laughs> He's dead. We don't really know if it was a crime. Oh, well, he's fucking... That's the mystery. Spoiler alert, he's dead. (laughs) I came across this. I was actually researching some other stuff and came across this story, and I was just immediately fascinated by it. This is the story of Eugene Izzy. Dead, yes. (laughs) I feel really good about that. I feel... Hold on. Oh, yeah. You high-fived yourself. I clapped. Yep. Up top, Billy. So, I've never heard of this guy, but Eugene Izzy, who was known to his friends as Guy... Which is weird. I never heard of this guy. They called him Guy. They called him Guy. Hey, Guy. He was an American crime novelist who died under extremely strange and suspicious circumstances on December 7th of 1996, when his body was discovered hanging by a noose outside of his 14th floor office window amidst the high-rises of Chicago. That's fucking weird. That's a fucking weird-ass fucking wind chime, tell you what. (laughs) That was good. It's a guy chime. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, guy. (laughs) On that Izzy Wuzzy was a bear. Izzy Wuzzy had no hair. Izzy Wuzzy Izzy hung himself on the fucking 14th floor in Chicago. (laughs) Well, Izzy, Izzy wasn't alive, was he? Shut up. I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot of fun tonight. Well, he didn't, because he's dead. <laughs> but uh, on oh. that Saturday morning, a man in a nearby building glanced outside and spotted a man's body hanging out of a window near a corner of the building on the backside of the structure. I can, um, while I was at work today, mm-hmm. I did Billy Pennant research. Hold on. Oh, no. Glasses on. You know, when I did that, I heard the sound in my head and put them on my head that fast. I was like, dong. I was like, on. (laughs) I know what he said when he glanced out the window. Is that a fucking guy? He was like, it's beautiful. You know, I don't, I don't feel the urge anymore to do coke. It's gone. It was a hard road, but, you know, it's gone. It's gone. I'm ready. I'm ready to get high. I'm ready to get high on life. 
So he's there's okay. There's a man hanging out of a. <laughs> there's a man hanging out of the window. His fucking shoe came off. <laughs> there goes his shoe. It's probably gonna hit a kid. Why did he? Why did he do that? Why not just jump out the goddamn fucking window or just hang yourself in a goddamn closet? What? I need. Oh, I need a bump. I need a bump. Right now is not the time. Oh God, does anybody know Coke? Call Billy. And you know, you would call me. I'd be like, I'm still working on that New Year's resolution. So sorry, guy. Um, call. No Coke here. Yeah, you know, call me or I'll call you. Okay, let's let's trade numbers. Chicago glasses off. Okay. Uh, that that man story that you just made up. I think I nailed it. Yeah, pretty close. Because that is a really good question. Is why would he fucking do that? Uh, so evidently, the recovering, not so recovering Coke man, you know, notified so, the authorities. It's so weird because okay, when he notified the authorities, they showed up like, when did you see this? And I, honestly, okay, all jokes aside, cops were like, okay, when did you discover this? And I, I swear to God, he was like, ugh, like. 20 minutes before I called you. I'm trying to figure out. He's, okay. He's hanging by his neck. But he's outside the building. Yeah. Just go off. Swinging in the breeze. Go off the building. Or just hang yourself. It's like a double coupon. What's the? A coupon? Coupon. He's, you know, like, and then like the cops were like, they looked across there and they saw him and they were like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we get it. Oh, his shoe's gone. And voided his bowels. There they go. There they go. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, the... I know a coat guy. Oh, God, thank you, Sergeant. <laughs> oh, man. I have had a day. There are days. And there, and there are, are days. days. I was going to have scrambled eggs and toast. And then fucking guy just out there <laughs> swinging in the fucking breeze where he shouldn't be swinging in anywhere. In the Windy City. Find a tree. Find a tree, guy. He's in downtown Chicago. There are still trees. Yeah, probably, but not that big. They'd probably stop him. They'd be like, hey, guy. No, stop it. What are you doing? Guy. And then he's like, how do you know my name? I'm fitting the... <laughs> like that. Wow. Well, anyway, the authorities were alerted and, of course, raced to the 6 North Michigan Avenue address. The building, which overlooks Millennium Park, appears to now be a luxury condominium building... But in 1996, it was full of offices, and Izzy's office was a small room at the end of a corridor near the fire stairs on the 14th floor. So he's like way back in the corner. When was this? I'm sorry. 1996. So Izzy had this office back in the back corner of the building, and due to lower nearby rooftops, his body would have been really difficult to see from actually down on the avenue, which is why... They took the guy, you know, across the way looking out his window. I'm not from Chicago, but you're telling me, like, it would be hard on the ground to look up? Because the buildings near it had rooftops, and the people would look up and see the lower I rooftops, see. and it would, you would block... You like, the easement coming off, yeah. and then you it would block their view. Yeah, because of how narrow the avenue is and the height of the rooftops. Maybe he didn't want to be seen. He was in the back corner. Yeah, I hope nobody sees this. In the open air? Maybe he didn't do it. That's what we're trying to get to. I'm going to write him a fucking letter. Ah, fuck, I can't. No, you can't. 
I mean, you can, but he's not going to read it. I'm going to I'm going to show I'm going to show up at his grave and be like, "Dude, what the fuck?" <laughs> and then leave unsatisfied. Yeah. So, Izzy's writing office was number 1418, but you wouldn't have been able to tell that because the door was completely bare, no name, no number, just completely unmarked. Did not fit in with all the other offices in the building. It's a good thing that's not creepy, am I right? <laughs> when firefighters and police arrived and finally figured out where the body was <laughs> hanging from... I was going to say, it probably took him a while. And it was probably the rookie, who's now a captain, who's like, guys, we didn't check this one. Yeah. How about the one with nothing on it? Well, they, they approached the unmarked office door and they found it locked from the inside and they had to break in. They saw a small office with bare white walls. There was a desk, a table, a file cabinet, and two computers. They also saw a rope running from the leg of the heavy metal desk to the window, obviously. And there was an unused 38 caliber revolver lying on the floor. You know, I didn't go over the show notes or anything. They outlined everything like that. I really didn't think it was attached to his desk. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I don't know why... I don't know why my brain went there. I really thought it was from a ceiling fan. Because you see that in, like, crime movies and Sin City. If you're going to do that, why go out the window? Just hang from the ceiling fan. Why hang from the fucking window? I don't know. We're getting to it. My point is, is I think the assumption I went to is actually kind of ridiculous. Because even watching Sin City, when Bruce Willis is swinging from his neck from a ceiling fan, I'm like, why doesn't the ceiling fan just fall? It's a fixture. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And then with Bruce. Okay. To his desk, to his desk leg. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And it was one of those, like, heavy metal desks. Oh, for sure. Like a teacher desk. Yeah. Yeah. And at first glance, you know, you see this nice, neat office and a rope tied to a desk and a dead guy out the window. So it appeared to be an obvious suicide. I mean, it was strange that it was done outside of a high-rise building, but by all appearances suicide so izzy's body because it was hanging out of the 14th floor window had to be um, pulled in through a 13th floor window in a travel agency i'm not laughing at him is this, this whole thing is just it's fucking bananas this and whole i can't thing is bananas I, and i don't know maybe some of you guys have heard of the story but i never had i mean i know we were teenagers in 1996 but I don't remember ever hearing a story like this anywhere where somebody's hanging outside of a high-rise building. I guarantee you when that shit went down, that travel agency in that office, they were talking to a client about like the Disney cruise and then all of a sudden a couple heels just popped against the fucking window. <laughs> yeah, and oh, since God. it was a Saturday, I don't know for certain what offices were open and what ones were closed. It's a travel agency. I mean, you, you don't close down fun. True. Yeah. It's also the 13th floor of a high-rise building in Chicago, and who really wants to do that for a travel agency on a Saturday? Well, I mean, if you want to go out for an experience. This is why you have Expedia.com and, and Trivago. It's because somebody fucking saw the soles of a man's feet outside the fucking window <laughs> when they are trying to go on a fucking ocean getaway i guarantee i i bet you it was like a skydiving or bungee jumping bungee jumping it was fucking bungee jumping and then they saw that man's shoes hit the fucking window and was like you know what no i don't want to attach a rope to myself anymore 
I'm good. I'm just gonna stay home. I'm gonna stay home and contemplate my life and eat fucking ramen noodles. We're good. So once they pulled him inside that 13th floor window, things got much more bizarre. Izzy was noted to be wearing a bulletproof vest. He had $481 in cash in his pockets, which who carries that much cash just in your pocket? Uh, I think we're just poor, honey. (laughs) As well as what seemed to be transcripts of threatening phone calls he had received, a set of brass knuckles, and a canister of pepper spray. So, this gave the appearance of a man who was prepared to protect and defend himself. To save himself, not kill himself. So then, was this murder? In order to kind of bring us to where we need to be to try and figure this out, we need to kind of get to know Izzy and a little bit of history about him. See what happened in his life that maybe could have any kind of influence on what ultimately happened to him. So... Eugene Izzy was born on March 23rd of 1953 and reportedly had three sisters, one of which was a twin. But as an adult, he was... a twin to him? Yes. Oh, okay. And as an adult, he was supposedly estranged from the two younger ones. He grew up in Hedgeswitch community on the far south side of Chicago, which is very close to the Illinois-Indiana border. Hey, that's us. Yeah. The neighborhood wasn't the best, and his father wasn't either. His dad was in and out of jail on charges ranging from illicit drug sales to running a gambling business for the mob. Now, he was a small-time thug, but still a thug. His mom worked menial jobs to support the family and was abused by his father. He once wrote, quote, My earliest memories of my childhood are of my father beating my mother. On more than one occasion, he sent her to the hospital. His wild, drunken brutality and the terror it instilled is never far from my mind. I hate that. What? The whole... Husband beating a wife thing? Yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) of course that, but just abuse in general, which, like, oh, blanket statement, yeah. Wow, controversial Billy here. I just don't see the point of putting your hands on fucking anybody. Yeah. Just keep your fucking hands to yourself. Unless you're given your beautiful wife, who you've known since the seventh grade, a kiss on the forehead. Or you're snuggling with a dog who's now snoring. Or you're telling your kids you love them more than anything. There's really no point of putting your hands on anybody. Nope. And being drunk, that doesn't mean it doesn't help. I don't know. It's just, the, 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 the whole fucking thing pisses me off. It's like, okay... Because whenever, whenever I drink, I, I, Erica can attest. I'm lovable. I'm laughable. You're talkative. I'm very talkative. But I would never raise my hand to anybody. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't understand the point of that. I'd punch you right in your fucking face. <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe we've gone this long <laughs> without mentioning this. Erica, Erica cannot threaten me with violence. Without, you hear that? She cannot threaten violence against me. I can. It's just really funny. Unless she laughs her ass off. Here, we'll do it just now. We'll do it right now. Okay, Erica. What? You're you're doing it now. You're doing it right now. Okay. Okay. You are so angry at me. 
you are so angry at me that you want to put your hands on my person. Uh-huh. What would you do? There she goes. There she goes. Wait. No. Okay. Sweetie. Hi. Hey, monkey. Come on, monkey. Come on. What are you going to do to me? I'd punch you in your bitch-ass nose. <laughs> she can't do it. She has literally said, <coughs> I will give you a knuckle sandwich and <laughs> laughed. She can't get it out. I don't know. I think I think we all just found her Achilles heel. Uh, I'm crying. If anybody's listening, go ahead and go to our Facebook page and ask her how she would kill me. It's going to take a while for her to answer. Like, if you post that and, and, and ask it, it'll take about three to four hours because she'll try to type something. I guarantee she'll fucking start laughing <laughs> and you'll get J-K-L-M-N-O because she can't fucking do it. No, because I couldn't hurt you. Erica, how would you kill me? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> fucking nerd. We gotta get back to the story. Okay. <laughs> okay. Remember that time you were so oh, Shut mad up! At me? <laughs> shut up. <laughs> okay. It's right in the fucking jaw. Right? Uh, I'm loving this. Stop. This is great. Okay. Whew. All right. So, his dad was a real piece of shit, basically. And, uh,. Eugene Izzy kind of remembered that for the rest of his life since, you know, he said it's never far from his mind. When he was 16, Izzy dropped out of high school and he was enlisted in the army by 17. He was able to obtain his GED, which is the high school equivalency degree if you're not from here in the U.S. The fact that she had to say that is... Okay. What? We know what a fucking GED is. If you're not from the U.S., you probably don't know what a GED Erica, is. Erica, don't hit me. But if you did, what would you do? Shut up! <laughs> no! <laughs> this is great. So, he got his GED while he was enlisted. Like I said, for people out of the U.S. that may not know, it's a high school equivalency degree. This is actually very terrifying. I think if you did kill me... My last vision on this earth would be you stabbing me in my chest. Laughing maniacally. Laughing. (laughs) When he discharged, he returned to Chicago. And he worked at the still mills on Chicago's south side and began drinking. At some point, he met a waitress named Teresa. And the two married and would have two sons. During his off hours and during layoffs from the still mills, he spent most of his time in the bars. He confessed to his wife that what he really wanted to do was write, and she supported him, encouraging him to put pen to paper. But by this point, the drinking had gotten so bad that things had become physical. And he kind of turned into his dad. Izzy wrote, quote, The last time I hit her was on August 15, 1981. A parting shot to the stomach, thrown as I passed her on the way to the bedroom to pass out after a full night of drinking. It was around 9 in the morning. 
When I hit her, she cried. When I awoke, hungover, she and our two sons were gone. For the next three months, he would drink the day away and then sleep it off on the bathroom floor of a barber shop. He felt everyone in the world was against him at this point. And, quote, I would stare longingly at the stroked razor blades on the back shelf, nestled there between the electric equipment and the combs. Their sharpness appealed to me. The light glinting off of them was my salvation. I spent a lot of hours there staring at the razor blades, thinking, just get drunk enough to do it. Show them all. It was at that point that I began to turn my life around. So he stopped drinking. He got a construction job and was able to patch things up with his wife. And he began to write. And he wrote a lot. I kind of want to buy one of his books. Yeah. He once wrote to a Tribune editor, quote, Getting up before work to try to make that page dance. Staying up late, working weekends and holidays seeing unemployment as a blessing because when I was out of a job, I could devote full time to the important work, end quote. He would write up to 50 pages a night at times, producing seven novels, but no publishers wanted them. But in 1987, his book, The Take, was published and he scored 20 grand. Good for him. And it would later be produced for cable by Universal Pictures. So the ball finally started to roll for him. He wrote Bad Guys, The Booster, Prowlers, Invasions, King of the Hustlers, The Prime Role, Tony's Justice, and The Eighth Victim, all like one after the other. And I've not read any of his books, but like you said, I'd I'd like to kind of read some of them now because he got rave reviews. What's one of them? Taker? The the Taker? The Take. The Take. So, yeah, he got rave reviews, and a lot of people compared him to Elmore Leonard and Nelson Algren who are both famous authors who received awards and actually had many novels and short stories later adapted into films. So Izzy had finally kind of made a name for himself. His first book signing was at Scotland Yard Bookstore. Owner Judy Dole remarked on that day, quote, He was the most charismatic and crowd-stopping author. You could hear a pin drop. He had an audience in the palm of his hand in 20-25 minutes. It was such an amazing talk. He was so grateful to the reader, the prospective reader, the prospective buyer. He was in awe of the whole book process, end quote. So he made enough money at this point to buy a house in the suburbs in Park Forest. He had two burglar alarms installed and got a guard dog. Maybe just for protection, maybe paranoid. We're not really sure. But he once wrote, quote, My wife sees me as paranoid because I am normally cautious. I know how things work and how easily they can break down, end quote. He made a lucrative deal in 1992 with Bantam Books to publish his next release called Tribal Secrets. It was said to be highly autobiographical about a recovering alcoholic actor and was expected to be the book that would rank him among the greatest American authors. It was going to be the shit. So Bantam gave Izzy a substantial advance on the book and sent him to the American Booksellers Convention that year. He whined and dined and did book signings, and Bantam actually gave away 10,000 copies of the book to quote-unquote ignite a publicity buzz. I get it. That makes sense. The book bombed. (laughs) Reviews were poor, sales were poor, it flopped big time. So Bantam canceled all the remaining book tours, ads, talk show appearances, anything that was scheduled. And of course, there was a fallout between the publisher and Izzy, And there are varying stories. 
Some say Izzy thought it was Bantam's fault because they didn't properly market the book. Wait. And they failed to support him as the author. Okay. So they poorly marketed the book, yet he canceled every appearance. They canceled them. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought I thought Izzy did no, that No, the publishers canceled <clears throat> them. That you, that, yeah. Okay. I'm with him. You so, shouldn't do that. You should plug it. Plug it everywhere you fucking can. Yeah. So... So some say that, you know, Izzy dropped Bantam because he blamed them. But then some say Bantam dropped Izzy because of the poor sales. And then some say that an unusual agreement was made. Izzy could keep the advance for the book that he had been given. But for the next three years, he wasn't allowed to publish anything under the name Eugene Izzy. Now, whether that agreement really happened or not, Izzy's next three books were actually published under a pseudonym, Nick Gaetano. Special Victims in 1994, Mr. X in 1995, and Jaded, or Spent Force in the UK edition in 1996. Why they would need a completely different title for the UK, I don't know. But all three of these he put under this pseudonym. So it kind of maybe actually could have been an agreement like that. I don't know, but I do find it odd that his next three books he wrote under a different name. Maybe he was just embarrassed. I don't know. No one really knows about what actually happened between the the fallout. And although he was writing, the flopped book and split from Bantam hurt Izzy both financially and psychologically. Sheldon MacArthur, a friend and owner of a bookstore in L.A., said that Izzy, quote, basically disappeared for a while. I think that was probably his low point. If Izzy had contemplated suicide, that would have been the point when he would have done it, when his career was at a low ebb, end quote. So during this period, he ended up selling the family's Park Forest home for $54,000. Was that a lot back then? This is 96, and he's in the suburbs of Chicago. So he probably <clears throat> took a major loss on the house, had I would to, assume. Had to have. Yeah, I, I would assume he, he took a loss. And he moved the family back into the city. In June of 1996, the IRS filed a lien for $24,606 for failing to pay his 1994 taxes, which he then paid. But things were starting to kind of look up. He had signed a three-book contract with Avon Books, the first of which was to be released in April of 1997. But even though things were looking up, things were also getting weird. Although it's reported that Izzy was on antidepressants and seeing a therapist, he started having some erratic behaviors and seemed paranoid. He moved his family to a quote-unquote safer location in a downtown hotel, and he started sleeping in his office with a gun. He changed his unlisted phone numbers all the time, as well as his home mailing addresses. His last listed address wasn't even a home, but a cubbyhole at mailboxes, etc., that he rented for $360 a year. Another address that he had listed was a warehouse in a desolate part of town. So he's putting out fake addresses and changing his phone number, moving his family somewhere safe. Falls under the... I'm not saying it's connected at all, but... The Blair Twitch project really is. I'm starting to see mm-hmm. a lot of Blair Twitch going mm-hmm. on here. Yep. Izzy was rarely ever seen in the building where his office was, but loud voices were sometimes heard behind his door. The cleaning lady was instructed to leave his office off of her list as she did her rounds. 
and on the rare occasion when he was seen, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Angela Issachar, who worked down the hall at a metal cleaning company, actually thought he was a private investigator because of the vest she saw him wearing many times. And then there were the threatening phone calls. Izzy received and recorded some threatening calls from a woman around this time. On it, she made remarks that he'd, quote, be found guilty and that he'd, quote, be dead by hanging by the end of the year. A police source said that he reported the calls and he played the tape for them and, quote, unquote, just about anybody who would listen. It was transcripts of these calls that were found on Izzy's body on December 7th when he was found hanging outside of his 14th floor office window. Now, when Izzy's body was pulled in, authorities noted that the rope used in the hanging was looped around his neck four times with a slipknot. Four times. That's a band name. Slipknot. They're weird. <laughs> They're like the modern day guar. You guys remember gore? Yeah, we remember gore. Okay, proceed, Erica, go. He had the vest on and had the pepper spray, the brass knuckles. There were the call transcripts and the $481 in his pocket. But he also had three computer discs, which were found to contain an 800-page manuscript for a book that no one even knew he was writing. And it wasn't the one that was scheduled for the April release with Avon Books. This was a completely different book, 800 pages. You know, he's got to be so good at typing. Now that I think about it. I mean, like, when he when he was actually good, quote-unquote good, he was cranking them out year after year. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing a book under contract, or, what, three? Mm-hmm. And then it manages, how many pages was that? 800? 800. Just, you know, willy-nilly, a yeah. side project. Yeah, like, I like to whittle. And then fucking, he took his hobby and fucking just started hammering shit out. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, sometimes 50 pages a night. So he had the manuscript on these three discs along with all the other stuff that they found on him. And the gun was verified to be Izzy's own gun that he had recently been carrying, and it had not been fired. An autopsy was done, and the medical examiner's report noted therapeutic levels of his antidepressant in his blood, which means he was taking them properly, like he he should have. He was doing good, good. Yeah, he was doing good. He was taking it like he should. Good job, Izzy. There were bruises to his face, arms, and thighs. Bad job, Izzy. Though his actual cause of death was asphyxiation. Clearly. His death was labeled a suicide despite the bruising, as the medical examiner related them to Izzy flailing and swinging around as he was hanging in the Chicago winds. Uh, Now, that sounds funny, but... (laughs) I've actually witnessed... People as they've been in the process of hanging themselves. And, you know, once they go unconscious, their body kind of makes kind of convulsive-like movements. The lungs try and expand to draw air in, but of course there's none coming in. So the body does move some, but it's not like a flailing, you know, trying to free yourself, bruise up your arms and legs type of movement. You know, I actually have an actual question here. Mm-hmm. Is it there's no air coming in or there's too much air in not going out? The reason why I ask is I saw this documentary. Okay, I'm not fucking with you. It was a real documentary. It wasn't a fucking movie. And they were talking about the, um, 
Jesus, his crucifixion, mm-hmm. right? And they said the reason why he died, it wasn't it wasn't because of the nails. If, I mean, if that's your thing. I believe there actually was a man named Jesus, and he died, and he died with two criminals on a hill, and that's a thing that just happened. And I believe he's a good man, but there's no hinder there. But the process of it was your arms are up, mm-hmm. right? You know, like when you're coughing or gagging, you put your arms up, clears your airways. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're up like that, you're, you're, you're nailed to it, so your arms are up there, you drop down, and what killed him wasn't the spear in the side or nothing like that. It was, I guess it was asphyxiation or the opposite of. It was that, like, the documentary I saw, they broke it down. They were like, he's getting too much oxygen. He can't get it out because he's up. his arms are up. He's going, but he can't out so what he's doing is he's flooding his lungs with air but he can't expel the he, air he probably had to build up carbon dioxide i get because he couldn't expel you, you it. convert it to carbon dioxide mm-hmm. he can't get it out yeah. carbon dioxide poisoning i guess yeah does that happen when you hang or is it you can't get air coming in or does it depend on it's, how tight you... it's both but it's an involuntary reflex your lungs naturally try and expand to draw air in mm-hmm. but they can't because from what i understand the way a crucifixion not not jesus's but just a crucifixion at the time i mean that was a form of execution it was the whole flooding of the lungs that did you in like when you burnt the stake mm-hmm. you're breathing in smoke you're breathing in carbon that's what kills you mm-hmm. it's not the burning i mean third degree burn sets in you don't feel fucking anything anymore I'm going off on a tangent, but you get my point. Is yeah. I'm trying to figure out what actually kills you. And you're talking about spasms, but I've seen God knows how many pictures of people. I saw a man hung himself with a fucking public telephone. I didn't even know they were public telephones anymore, but he did it. Mm-hmm. And everybody's neck is like three feet long. That's an exaggeration. But my point is... If they've hung for a long time, it can elongate the neck. Can it? Uh, mm-hmm. But, okay, I'm just trying to understand what you're... Yeah, it's regardless of how much air you have in your lungs or not, it's an involuntary reflex because once the people go unconscious because you hang and that cuts off the circulatory avenues that you have in your neck, you know, your jugular vein and your carotid arteries that are moving the air back and forth, they're compressed and you lose consciousness because of that. But then your body kicks into its own drive. It knows it needs air. Autopilot? Yeah. Yeah. And your lungs try and expand and pull the air in, but they can't because you've also cut off your airway. Right. So you make this kind of... It almost looks like people when they're having like dry heaves or something, but not as severe. That kind of movement. But I don't... I've never... And I've I've seen multiple... I've told you guys before, I'm a member of Gore Sites and stuff. I've, I've seen this stuff. I've never seen anybody thrashing and flailing around. I wouldn't either, just because of the... Because they tend to pass out so quick, just from the compress- compression of the arteries, that there's yeah. you can't make voluntary movements if you're unconscious. The way so, I, Yeah, the way I see it is... Correct me if I'm wrong, please. 
is if, if, if something like that happened, your body, like you said, your body takes over. Mm-hmm. Your body shifts in gear and it draws in everything it can. It's not drawing it from your fucking toes. It's not drawing it from your feet or your hands. It's center. It, it, it's your torso. Just mm-hmm. like when you're in shock. That's why people say, oh, well, I can't feel my legs. Oh, no, I feel them. They're right there. I feel them right now. It's because everything's diverted to basically the like core, the mainframe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's preserving itself. And if it can preserve itself, it can preserve other things. The torso and the head, they're going to be the last things to shut down. And yeah. if they have to cut off blood supply to the arms or legs, it doesn't matter as long as you keep that core going. Yeah. So I'm with you. Like, there's no kicking. There's more important things going on right now than kicking and flailing. Mm-hmm. It's your lungs, your stomach, uh, your throat, your your heart, for sure. It th- and, These are kicking in. And if any, any of the ones I've seen where, you know... You know, it's the shock immediately. You know you're trying to kill yourself, but it's still a shock to have something cutting off your airway. If nothing else, you're grabbing at what's around your neck and pulling on it. And it doesn't take long to realize you can't do that because there's so much weight hanging on that. And I've seen people do it when they could touch the fucking floor and they've let their feet just hang. But if any kind of movement is made, it is usually to grab at what's around the neck. It's not flailing your arms around up against the windows and the walls and the brick and bruising yourself up. And you can only really bruise while you're still alive and there's still blood pumping through you because that's a living reaction to trauma to your vessels. So I'm a little unsure that he could have had this bruising ranging, you know, from his head to his legs from thrashing around as he's hanging that just doesn't sit right with me yeah because i mean it it goes in with like um it sounds weird but it's it kind of goes with um like martial arts Mm -hmm. You, you you stop the threat if a hand if a hand is coming to punch you you break the hand. You snap the wrist. That's yeah, you it. Prioritize. You don't fuck with the guy's knee. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So what? What it looks like was like a guy going, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god." But in real life, it's like, no, this is around my neck. I can't breathe. Exactly. I need to breathe right now. And if anyone is ever, you know, attacked, and somebody goes and puts their hands around your neck, you're not aiming for other parts of their body. You're yeah. trying to get their hands away from your neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if somebody tries to choke me, I'm like. What kind of tactical throw can I do to make this man away from me? Which, by the way, does coincide. You do want to put space. True, but your but natural instinct you, kicks get in. Get it off of me exactly. right now. You have to remove the, the most traumatizing threat at that moment. Just yeah. like when you triage at a hospital. You want to treat the most significant injury first. You know, stop the bleeding before you worry about, you know, the possible infection from the open gash in the belly, you know? I get it. I, I totally get it. Yeah. So, just my personal opinion, being witness to seeing what a hanging does to a body, conscious or not, I've not seen anybody like you see in movies where they're hanging and they're thrashing around and trying to grab for things. No, you're trying to grab for what's around your neck, if anything at all. If he really wanted to do this, he wouldn't be thrashing around. You know, he would let darkness come over him as he goes unconscious. Because this is what he would have wanted. Yeah. 
And that also reminds me, this is so fucking stupid, but Sin City. When Bruce Willis, when they hung him on the fucking ceiling fan, what did he do? He tensed up instantly. Mm-hmm. Tensed up and, and, and taught, you know. You try and bring your chin to neck. your neck and yeah. stop that Kept tightening. it taut and mm-hmm. tried to swing back and forth to break a window to get glass and cut himself free. There's no flailing. Yeah. I, I've never seen it. Maybe it's happened. Maybe hanging out in the windy city outside a 14th floor window, you know, it's swinging the body around, but I I, I can't see it. But I, I kind of can. In a weird way, like maybe in the last, like assuming he committed suicide, I could see him trying to get like a footing, try to walk yourself up the side of the building to mm-hmm. take pressure off your neck. The bruising, I can't. Yeah. I can't explain that. And especially on the face. Even if he's flailing around, he's not hitting himself in the face. I'm just thinking there's black scuff marks like on a basketball <laughs> court on windows. <laughs> if, if that's the case, I get it. Yeah, so that doesn't make sense to me. But, of course, like I said, um, despite the bruising, he said um, this was a suicide. And his neck was not broken. And the Emmy stated that it wouldn't be if he himself had shimmied out the window and just lowered himself down. And it would reportedly take an eight and a half foot or two and a half meter free fall to break the neck of someone his weight. So evidently he would not have dropped free fall since he's up against a building and there wasn't enough of a drop to actually break his neck. Which means that if he did it himself, yeah, he lowered himself down. If someone else did it, they just kind of threw him over the side, it's still not a free fall and his neck wouldn't be broken. Which in a weird way makes me kind of respect the gallows. Yeah. They weigh If you, they did it right, it would break your neck and you're, death. You're, you're just... But dead. if it didn't... You're... It, 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 we, we all have to I watch. Mean, I've we heard, all have to watch this. I've heard some people where the way it caught their neck, it didn't render them unconscious and they flailed around for 10 or 15 minutes before they finally succumbed. And that's horrible. But the ones I've seen where people meant to do it, mm, about four or five minutes. Anywhere from three to five minutes, I would say. This is shitty as five minutes. Before they stop moving. And that's just them not moving. You know, maybe they've lost that automatic response to try and keep breathing. That doesn't necessarily mean they're brain dead at that time. But by that point, you've done some serious brain damage. And even if someone... Even if someone came to save you, then you you would be a vegetable. I don't think you can. I think no matter what, you're going to try to stop it. You, 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 I've seen it. I mean, it's like primal instincts. I've seen it. People, if they really want it done, they will do it. I watched one, a guy who was literally like maybe two feet off the floor with his feet out in front of him. Did it. I know. And, and like I said, with the with the phone. Mm-hmm. Like he really fucking wanted it to happen, but at the same and even that guy that really wanted it to happen initially reached up and realized, no, I can't do that, that and put my... his hands back down. Oh, I was gonna say prove my point, but he wanted just, it so yeah. he knew it was his natural instinct to grab for it, and then he was like, nope, put his hands back down, and let it happen. So I'm not buying the bruising thing. Just my personal opinion. Anyway. Izzy's friends began to come forward, saying Izzy had been scared for his life. They told the cops that he had infiltrated a white supremacist group in Indiana, our home state. Damn it. 
as research for a book and that they had found him out and were threatening him. Izzy evidently went deep into research for his books in the past. He had gone to therapy sessions with child sex abusers. He went undercover for several weeks as a homeless man and ended up mugged and beaten by two men. So infiltrating a neo-Nazi militia didn't really seem too far-fetched in his friends' minds. Uh, you know, in a weird way, kind of respect it. Yeah. He went balls he, deep. He delved deep. Yep. He pulled a Joe Nickel and went balls deep. Balls deep. <laughs> the How pro- else are you going to know? <laughs> the problem is that police traced the threatening calls from the woman that was believed to be in the supremacy group in Indiana. The calls were actually made from a payphone around the corner from Izzy's office building, not Indiana. We didn't do shit. And although the group could have traveled into Chicago and then made the calls as they figured out their plan of attack on Izzy, police thought it was more likely that the calls were made on Izzy's direction. He had transcripts in his pocket. Why would he need to write down what was said if he had them recorded and could just play the tape? Were the transcripts actually written by Izzy, who then instructed a woman to call and repeat so he could record them? But why? Then the real bombshell was leaked by the police to the newspapers. The manuscript found on the discs reportedly included a scene in which a Chicago mystery writer equipped with mace and brass knuckles is thrown out of a window by a noose around his neck. And the people doing the throwing were Indiana militiamen. Now, in the manuscript, the writer manages to hoist himself back up through the window, and he kills his attackers. So, then was Izzy simply trying to recreate the scene from his novel? Was he maybe trying to see if one could actually hoist themselves back up when hanging from a rope? That's where I'm at. And he found out the hard way that he couldn't? That's where I'm at. (laughs) Well, very few people believe it was suicide, and several think it was actual murder. I think it was, what is it called? Death by Misadventure? Mm-hmm. Lou Aronica, an editor for Avon Books, said, quote, He was in such good spirits, I find it impossible to believe it was suicide. There was always a small sense in my mind that something like this could happen because guys spent a lot of time on the streets. End quote. Judy Dull, the owner of the bookstore where Izzy had his first signing, said, quote, I cannot believe he wasn't murdered. I don't know him as a suicidal person. He personified the Chicago person. I'm sure anyone whose lives he touched will never believe it was anything else but murder. End quote. And Andrew Vacus, one of Izzy's closest friends, told the Sun-Times, quote, There is no question that Guy was in the midst of investigating certain individuals at the time of his death. That's beyond dispute. You don't wrap yourself in a Kevlar vest and carry a handgun if you're relaxed about the environment around you. He was completely sane and dedicated to his craft, which happened to mean digging up dirt, end quote. But it was reported that on the night of Izzy's death, he allegedly called one of his teenage sons at the hotel that the family was staying in and asked him to meet Izzy in the hotel lobby to give him his office key. He said he forgot it and couldn't get into his office. Now, when they met up, he reportedly said to his son, quote, no matter what happens, I love you. The two hugged and Izzy returned to his office where he would die later that night. Police sources say the call Izzy made to his son was traced to room 1418, Izzy's office that he supposedly was locked out of. He called from the office that he asked his son for a key for? Yeah. Okay. 
Some think that the only reason to call his son to meet him would be to say goodbye. But why would he only say goodbye to one son? Like, if he was planning on killing himself, yeah, meeting up with your family and just letting him know you love him before you do it, I can understand. But just the one son, not the other son, not the wife. And he evidently had dreams of sending his sons to Harvard. And he loved his wife and called her an angel. So that, I don't know. This is just what allegedly happened. But according to police sources, this is what happened. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Hmm. Blair. So let's discuss suicide, murder, or death by misadventure. Okay. So if it was suicide... Izzy was on antidepressants, so he had definitely had some kind of depression. Okay, antidepressants, they also say some of the side effects are suicidal tendencies, which is, just don't take the fucking, that's my opinion. True, but he wasn't showing that. He obviously had thought about suicide in the past when his wife left him, and you know his friend had said if he was going to commit suicide, it would have been when he lost that deal with Bantam Books after his book flopped. He didn't do it either one of those times. Now he has a three-book deal with Avon Books. He had one that was getting ready to come out in April. What reason did he really have at that time to kill himself? I mean, when he broke up with Bantam Books, Odoo's saying, you know, this is when he would have done it. That's speculation. I mean, that could have... Well, he's saying that was the lowest point he'd ever seen him. Or that could have been when he recharged himself... And you know what I mean? like. But he didn't. Like he put we, out three books under a different name. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That that kind of is, in, in, in a weird way, kind of reinventing yourself. I suppose. But he had this new book deal where he was coming back with his own name. Sure. But what and I'm, if he's recharging himself, then why now? What why I'm, would he kill himself now? What I'm saying is, just because you're publisher dropped you doesn't mean it's a reason for you to be depressed or kill no, yourself. No, that's neither here nor there. That's that's the point I'm getting at. Like, what, yeah. what, what his friend is saying is... He it, had, what I'm saying is he had more reason then to kill himself than he would have had now at this current time. I'm not talking about now at the current time. That's what we're talking about because this is the current time when he's dead. I'm what? talking about what his friend said, which is two things. He said jack and shit. He doesn't know what Izzy was thinking at that time. Okay, regardless, we're talking about what reason would he have had to commit suicide at this time when he's found dead. Yeah, I got nothing. He didn't have a reason. Yeah, I got nothing on that one. I mean, yeah, he took a hit financially. But for anybody to be like, if he was going to kill himself, this was the time. It's like, who the fuck are you to say whenever, you know? Well, I mean, he was doing, he obviously knew he had some depression if, a, he sought out therapy, and B, agreed to go on antidepressants. Good for him. Good for him. So Billy, he, Billy Jones PSA. If you so, ever feel like that, please, by all means. Yes, definitely. Go get please help. Please do. There are people out there that will help you. You're worth it. And it's a real sign of courage. Courage is asking for help. So if he knew the signs where he needed to get help, he went to a therapist, got on meds, if he was really feeling this distraught in this moment, why would he have not seen the signs and gone for help? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. He had this new book deal. He was dressed and armed like a man, ready to fight for his life. He's in a bulletproof vest. He's got weapons. He is 
dress like someone who is prepared to go out fighting. You, you wouldn't arm yourself and put on a bulletproof vest to kill yourself. Yeah, but I mean, what what can you say what the guy's thinking at the time? I mean, yesterday, we're, we're in Indiana. Mm-hmm. It's damn near winter here. I saw a man walking around trying to kill a fly with a fly sweater. That happened. I saw that. He was prepared. He was prepared to murder a fly mm-hmm. with a fly swatter. That doesn't mean he's going to go throw himself out of a 14th floor window because the fly got away. Well, just because I wear a vest doesn't mean I'm going to walk around and think I'm going to get shot. Actually, it kind of does. Yeah. Now that I say He it, wore it enough that the people in his building thought he was a private investigator because he wore it so much. There's a point I'm trying to make. I just haven't figured it out yet. When you figure it out, you tap me on the shoulder and let me know. No, I'm just going to say glasses on. And then I'll make it. You go ahead. Okay. I like where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) To hell if I don't change my ways. But um, I've interrupted you so much tonight. Yeah, you have. You really have. I feel like you want to be violent. What would you do? We're not doing this. What would you do to me? Go away. My Erica, look at me. My chin is right here. It's right here. You just gotta <laughs> give it. Ball a, up my, you're gonna ball up what? My fist. You're gonna ball up your fist. What are you gonna do with that fist, Erica? Punch you in your bitch's chin. Punch me in my bitch ass. You know I love you more and more every day. <laughs> you goofy motherfucker! I love you so much. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> And now he's snorting. I've never met a person who's laughing. And you're like, I'm going to knock you the fuck out. And it's only you. I can say it to anyone else and really mean it. Billy, but I, I sh- can't with you. Billy, I swear to God, you're going to ruin the date. <laughs> if we ever get to a fight and I start doing this, know that shit is getting real. I'm going to take the kids and put them in the car and we're going to go to mom's. Okay, kids, everyone in. Come on. Single file. She's laughing. Uh, Dad. That's not good. Dad, you always make her laugh. No, no, no. This is different. I'm making her laugh for a different reason. And we need to go. Okay. Get our youngest kid. (laughs) Nugget. Set the house on fire. Do it. (laughs) Wait, hold on. See, I knew it. Ah, it was just one. It I knew it. One. I've been here for so long. It's been an hour. I'm kind of proud of myself. I think I did good. <laughs> anyway, there are the reports that he called and then met with his son under the false pretense that he was locked out of the office. But the call made to his son reportedly was made from within the very office that he said he was locked out of. And then when authorities tr- arrived to try and get his body... The office was locked from the inside. Not typical of a murder scene. Most murderers do not exit and go, oh, I better lock the door behind me. As a courtesy. Which really makes it seem like a suicide. Yeah. But what's the case for murder? Izzy had been paranoid and erratic. I know a guy named Blair who was the exact same (laughs) fucking way. And I'm still, to this day, trying to remind her of that shit. I know. That's, wow. That's... We definitely came out charging head first with that one when we Erica, started this podcast. <laughs> Erica, I don't care if the audience hears it now. Uh-huh. We need to do a Blair Twitch reboot. A reboot? Reboot. Why is that? We need to do a look at it with fresh eyes. 
And better audio. Experienced eyes and a microphone. We haven't experienced anything that would change how we look at it. I still go, what the fuck? We need to look at it again. You do that. Patri- I'm going to keep talking about Izzy. Patreon. Patreon.com backslash martinis in the macabre. Blair Twitch, motherfucker. <laughs> so, the door was locked from the inside. That signifies suicide. Sure. But. Or, like you said, like, 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 like when you're off work, I kiss you, I annoy you and grope you. Mm-hmm. Because I'm me and you're you. And. You're like, ah, oh, God, get the fuck out of it. Like, okay, I gotta go to work. Yeah, don't interrupt my sleep. It's, but it's my, it's my me time. But I lock you in. Mm-hmm. Well, and who's to say maybe this door was one of those doors that it automatically latches? It when really it could have been. I mean, yeah, we don't know, but it's not typical of what you would find in a murder scene. So, the case for murder. Izzy had been paranoid and erratic, sleeping with a gun. He was giving false addresses. He was changing his phone number. He moved his family around, put them in a hotel for their quote-unquote safety. He was armed with multiple weapons, and he had started wearing a bulletproof vest. Neighbors to his office often heard loud voices at night from behind his door. And, according to his friends, he had allegedly infiltrated a white supremacy group and had been threatened by them. But the calls were traced to a nearby payphone, and he had transcripts of the calls. So, had he really asked someone to call and read them to give the appearance of a threat? Or was the group just closing in and happened to already be around the corner? None of this makes any sense to me. So, once again, his body was found to have the bruises to his face, arms, and legs. Could he have been beaten before he was hung? But if he had been beaten... Wouldn't there be bruising to, like, his torso if he had been attacked? I mean, you know, if you grab somebody and beat them up and kick them while they're down, I would think he would have bruising on his chest or his back or his ribs. Yeah. But his face, arms, and thighs. It's oddly specific. He could have easily punched himself in the face. I could do it now. I won't. You think it was Tyler Durden? No, I don't think it was Tyler. (laughs) What? No. But, like... Punch me in the face as hard as you can. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about Tyler Durden. <laughs> anyway, my whole point is... He's is, not real. Yeah, when you do that, you fucking say spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You fucking asshole. Spoiler alert. Way to go. No, you fucking ruined it. It's in the airwaves forever. Yep. Way to go. Unless I edit it out. But I won't. I bet there's a kid in a last wish, make a wish, you know, foundation is like, I just want to see seven. And then before they do... They listen to our awesome podcast, who is brought to you by Kate, Hunter, and Cooper, that they're like, okay, well, fuck it. Now I'll just fucking die. <laughs> My whole point is, is I, 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 you know, I, 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 I had a, I, I had a shin check at work. Uh-huh. I bumped it on a box. He wasn't bruised on a shin. It specifically said his thighs. I once masturbated so violently the what that I punched myself in the thighs and I was like take it take it and I was like I don't wanna but I'm gonna and then I did it that didn't happen and then when I was done that didn't happen guys and then when I was done I took my face 
And I bashed it against the fucking door of the bathroom I was in. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you yesterday. didn't. Yesterday. I did it yesterday. Where are the bruises? Let they, me see. Like a fox they are. Uh-huh. All, all the way to the bank. Yep. Fuck, I hate you. So. The whole point is, is you can't say where the fucking bruises came from. We can't. And that's what's so fucking weird. Because I don't believe they happened by a man hanging himself out a window and flailing around. But I also don't believe that they happened because someone came in and attacked him and beat him up. I have a theory. Actually, I just now thought of this. Yeah, it's been like 10 seconds, son. You can go anytime. So, I have this, I have this vision. <laughs> Just so you guys know, we had to edit out like a whole section there. Had, where we went off topic and it was very graphic. It was very personal. <laughs> and now I've made Billy forget what he's talking about. This is one of those rare occasions my wife made me blush. Wait, uh, what? Uh, uh, what? What you gonna say? Okay, here's here's my point I'm making. Is he has bruises on his thighs? He uh-huh. has bruises on his face. Uh-huh. Okay, so um, these windows in a high rise building. It could be in Chicago. It could be wherever. But they're not like I heard the burp in your throat. There it is. They're not like my patio doors. These are strong windows. They're mm-hmm. made for a reason. Especially in Chicago. It's very windy. It's it's it's, yeah. it's a harsh environment. I wonder... This is stupid. Maybe not. Blair Twitch. Do you think maybe the bruises on his thighs and his face came from him trying to jump out of a fucking reinforced window? No, I think he opened the window. This is an old building. He lifted the window up. Okay. And jumped out. Do you think he opened it after the third try? Mm, and bruised his thighs? Right now, at this point, anything's possible. There's no denying that. Anything's possible at this point. Nobody can really fucking say. Blair Twitch. Nobody can fucking say what really fucking happened. It could have been like... <laughs> Ow! And then he was like, you know, I'm just gonna fucking unlatch it. <laughs> he just then figured out he could just you lift know, it up. Like on the third try, he's like, I've hit the radiator twice. It burned me. But I mean, how hard would you have to hit to leave bruises? Like this morning, you remember our dog jumping on the bed and landing on my calf and it was excruciatingly painful i couldn't get back to sleep you're hearing this the first time this is my fifth it really fucking hurt and i i would have sworn that when i got up i had a huge bruise on my leg and i didn't patreon supporters if you could donate a dollar to erica for her fucking calf i'm that's not the point i'm making the point is i would have been certain that my leg would have been bruised because okay. of the impact from her paw on my leg. Sure. Okay. You have to hit something pretty fucking hard to bruise. Okay, do me a favor. Pick up our dog and throw it to the fucking window and see if she bruises. See if she bruises? She's a big bitch. No way. She's a big bitch. 
Ah, I love her so much. She's a cute bitch. She's so beautiful. My point is, is that maybe he took a couple practice swings and it didn't work. And then he was like, you know what? This this really fucking hurts. It'd be better if I just opened the window. Plus, let fresh air in. And then just jumped out the fucking window with a noose around his neck. He wanted to die letting saying, fresh air in. Have you seen the Febreze commercial? Don't bother answering. My whole point is, <laughs> is that Your maybe... Your point is really going astray. <laughs> my whole point is, is maybe he, he tried a couple of times and just said fuck it and cut the middleman. And I was like, well, this clearly isn't working. Remember that time I burned that thing when I cooked? No, you don't. Because I don't. But my point is, <laughs> is that... He tried a couple of times. He's like, well, this clearly isn't working. So, practice runs. Troubleshooting. Okay. What's weird is everything I've just said, you can't prove me wrong. So, like you said earlier this this episode, why didn't he just find a tree? You're not wrong either. <laughs> I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm going to attach this rope to my metal desk and then throw myself against the window, hoping to break through and hang myself. No, this has been a roller coaster from start to finish. I, I'm with you on that one. But it could have... Could have found a tree. He really could have found a tree? Yeah. But uh, even if he hit a radiator, I, I, I'm. it's just odd. Why didn't he have any bruising on his torso from smacking into the window. I'm thinking he like wanted to be dramatic. And then he was like You usually lead with your head and arms if you're gonna smash through something, not your thighs. How do you know? When was the last time you flung yourself against a window? Yesterday. How are things at home? Are we okay? I was at work. I wanted out really bad. Oh so home's good. Yeah. Oh good. Work sucked yesterday. But the whole point is like <laughs> okay I'm gonna do this. And like, nah, fuck, that didn't, that didn't work. That really hurt my head. All right, here we go. I'm gonna start at my door. And okay, do we've already fucking, we've already been through this. Honey. You know what I mean? Moving on to the next point. To where he's just like, you know what? At this point, fuck it. You're beating a dead horse, like the dynamite farmer. Oh god. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm gonna go ahead and say dynamite farmer is like one of my favorite fucking episodes. One of the least downloaded. But one of my favorite fucking episodes that we've ever fucking done is the Dynamite Which Farmer. one was it? Four? Is that the fourth one? I think it was. Fourth or fifth, yeah. yeah. Dynamite Whoa, Farmer. Oh, Nelly. Oh, my God. That is my favorite fucking... Yeah, fuck it. That's my favorite fucking episode <laughs> ever. All right. So along with all this other stuff that kind of leads to the possibility of murder, why, if he was murdered, would this supposed group... Why would they not search his pockets and the office for anything that could possibly tie them to Izzy? I mean, the office wasn't in any kind of disarray. The gun hadn't been fired. He still has all this shit in his pockets. So, this person or persons that Izzy was expecting to come for him got into his office and were able to attack him, put a rope around his neck four times, and throw him out the window before he had a chance to get a shot off? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. 
and he had almost $500 still in his pocket that would have been easy pickings. I mean, you'd think if they're attacking somebody, they're going to at least try and remove any possible connections they might have. And in the process, five, find $481 and fucking take it. But they didn't do that with Blair either. I would be like this. Hold him down. Steve, are you fucking with me? Like, he really has a gun on him? Give me the gun. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so... $500? I mean, so... Take it. Let's go. So the suicide running into the radiator thing doesn't really make sense. Sorry, Billy. And the murder thing doesn't really make sense. So the only other possibility would be death by misadventure. So the manuscript found on the discs contained a scene that played out almost exactly like what authorities found that day. A rider wearing a vest and armed with brass knuckles, pepper spray, and a gun is hung out of a window by a noose. I really think he tried to Jason Bourne his own shit. Yeah, so if this was murder, it would have been the most insane coincidence that it happened exactly like what was in his book that he wrote. So was he actually trying to, like, live out the scene in the book and test out what he had written. I mean, it wouldn't have been very smart and there really wouldn't have been a reason to do it. I mean, this book is fiction and most people, when they read a fiction book, don't try to test out how to escape being hung just because somebody wrote it in a book. They're yeah. like, oh, that can't be right. I'm going to go test it. I mean, Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I've read fiction books before and I've never fought a dragon. Yeah. My whole point is, is I can kind of understand where he's coming from well then test it inside up against a interior wall or something don't throw yourself out a window to do it i think he really was loyal to his work i don't know i mean did he have maybe some type of psychotic break where what he thought that he wrote was actually his real life and maybe he truly felt like he was in the moment living it did I, he think he was Spider-Man and that he could repel down the side of the building with his web? I think it just wanted, got tangled around his neck four times. <laughs> <laughs> I think he wanted to write the best escape for the character. Mm-hmm. But he'd already written it. This manuscript was like pretty much done. This was just one scene out of the book. So had he started like trying to live this life as he was writing the book? Uh, Okay. If I write the perfect recipe for chicken Alfredo lasagna and I just publish it, how do I know if it works if I don't do it myself? How do I know, Erica? How do I know? Hang yourself out of a 14th floor window in Chicago? I mean, I would do it... With a noose. No. Wearing a Kevlar vest... With brass knuckles and pepper spray. I think he would be like, all right, I didn't take this to any publishers yet. This is my baby. And it really was. Mm-hmm. This is my baby. Let's see if we could do this. And then as soon as that noose draw tight, he was like, wait, no. No, this doesn't work at all. Oh, my God. I bet you, I bet you it was suicide or death by misadventure. And he felt just like a silly goose 
He died. A silly goose, huh? Uh, just a, just a. But then, okay. Just a dumb egg. So and he was just like, ah, God, ah, you got me. This won't work. So I he, wish I could tell people, but I'm outside of a fucking, <laughs> I'm outside of a fucking building right now, guys. If anybody ever wants to write this, you can't do it. I wish I could say this out loud. Yeah, he. But there's a rope that. cutting off my shit. And he couldn't like, even make those sounds. It cuts off your comp- your windpipe is cut off. You can't all I'm make saying sounds. Is you ever seen the documentary Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone? You can rock climb. The whole point is, is he he tested a theory and it didn't work. Okay, so even if he was testing a theory and died by misadventure. What explains his behavior for the previous couple of months? The paranoia, the change in the numbers and the addresses and wearing the vest. He's being the character. He's living the life of the character. To the point where he would hire or direct some woman to call him and place threatening phone calls that he would then go report to the police and play the tape for them? Yeah, I'm sure Michael Crichton wanted to be a fucking velociraptor. The point is, is that he wanted to test his theory. So, everything he did was covert slash weird slash stupid slash go home and have some fucking ramen noodles. But he kept testing it and testing it and testing it. And he's like, well, this worked. Well, this worked. Well, this worked. I'm going to go ahead and just wrap my fucking neck in rope and throw myself out the window. That does not work. That does not work. And then here we are talking about him on the I podcast. I mean, you would have to be almost delusional and have a psychotic break to actually be that deep in your character that you're writing to test throwing yourself out of a window hanging by a noose. It happens all the time. Look at Kiefer Sullivan. Kiefer Sullivan? (laughs) Okay. And you get on to me about how much I drink when we record. Say it for me, please. Kiefer Sutherland. Okay. And I can say asphyxiation. In Stand By Me, he purposely bullied the other actors. Uh-huh. So that they would hate him on screen. Mm-hmm. That is getting into your character. But he didn't need to be a character. He was no. writing a book. This wasn't an acting role. He wanted to know it worked. I'm saying what he did was stupid. But I... I am going on record by saying he died by misadventure. He did something stupid. He got lost. He got lost in his own story and took it too far and found the consequences. Consequences are you're hanging by your neck outside of the 14th floor of a fucking building and you're fucking dead. And nobody's going to fucking care except Erica and Billy. That's about it. And the guy that found him. And the bruising? The bruising. How did that happen? I don't know. I could take a hammer in my fucking leg right now. I'll have a bruise. You don't know. Anything could happen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're broken blood, blood vessels. <coughs> he could have stubbed his leg at a park bench in Chicago. It could have happened. He could have, like, tried to catch a cab on the side of the road. And when he ran, he kind of tripped. And it hit his leg on a fucking tree. That he probably should have hung himself on. And fucked up his thigh. So, if he's this deeply involved in... Or, he went to a bar and was like, Hey baby, I'm writing... He quit drinking. I'm writing a book. 
And they're like, that's my girl. And he got punched in the face. Hence, face bruises. Okay. Okay. So if he is that deeply involved in living the life of this character. There's nothing wrong with to that. To bring it to life. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there is. If he's that deeply involved, did he or did he not infiltrate a militia group of white supremacists? I can't answer on that. I have no idea. Because I would think if he was that involved in this character development, that he would have done that. I, I don't know what white supremacists do. I don't either, other than hate people. I don't know about their 9 to 5. I don't know about that. But... I mean, if he went undercover as a homeless man for two weeks, why wouldn't he I gotta go say, and if try it, and join this group? If it was white supremacists, I'm begrudgingly kind of impressed because you followed a book that he wrote that was never fucking published and you killed him the way he wrote the character. How'd you do that? I know. Did you? Did you That's tie, what doesn't make sense. Did you tie him down and read what he wrote and was like... We should shoot him in the face, Earl. I'm assuming it's Earl. Earl! Let's shoot him in the face. Get some crawl But you gotta remember. And then they're like, no, wait. I'm reading some shit. And the line 22. Do that. Do but, that, Earl. But you gotta remember, if he didn't write the transcripts for the phone calls, if that actually was the group, she said in those, you're gonna die by hanging from a rope by the end of the year. So if he had the forethought, okay, that's what they're planning on doing, he could have, this is feasible, not sure. realistic, but not? feasible, he could have written that At into this the point, story. And then they came through on their word. All of it, every single idea we can come up with is fucking insane, but could have happened. The only one I'm not definitely buying is suicide. I don't think he had a reason to. I think he had enough forethought if he went and sought out a therapist and got on medication that he would have seen the signs and symptoms of such a massive depression where he was contemplating suicide that he would have gone and gotten help. I'm with you. I'm sticking with the uh, Death by Misadventure. That's more what I'm leaning to, but the question I have is why? Just, Just why? He wanted I, to I, know. He wanted to know. But I mean, think logical about people, and obviously I'm assuming he's a logical person, if he's made a career out of writing these books, and he seems somewhat intelligent, that he's not going to go and try to hang out of a window on a rope to see what would happen. Well, this isn't like a... I mean, it's a fiction, but it's not like a absurd fiction. You know what I mean? Like, like, like look, at, look at Ocean's Eleven. I would it's be... a fine documentary, by the way. I'm sure they did research on how to break into a fucking casino. My point is, I think... They didn't test it out. I think he wanted this book to be so involved, to be so in-depth, that the only way he could know to write about it was to fucking do it. It'd be like... And to risk putting his wife and children through that? My, my, my point is, is that he got selfish and neglected his family and got so immersed in what he was writing that he wanted every aspect, every corner, everything was taken care of. Like, like this was the book he was going to write. This was, everything else was fluff. This was the novel that's going to make him a household name. 
Yeah, he tried that three years prior when his book flopped. I'm more inclined to think, okay, maybe he's reenacting all this stuff. He's trying to play it out in his head in real life. He gets a rope. He has it around his neck. Maybe he's looking out the window, thinking about the logistics. Maybe he tripped. Maybe. He slipped and fell out of the window. I mean, I can't see him putting himself out the window on purpose to test it out. I, I could see him having the rope around his neck, looking at it logistically. How much would you have to have? And could you really hoist yourself back up? Something happened and he fell out. I go the opposite way. I think he really wanted to fucking know. Because, let's think about it. His books, the string of books he has or whatever, whatever he put out flopped. Okay? Just the one. Just the one. That one is a learning experience. So whatever he wrote, which I can't find on ebook or anything. I might have to actually go to a fucking library. Ew. <laughs> anyway. So he was like, okay, this didn't work. What am I doing wrong? So he corrected it. I think... Overcorrected. I think this was the book he was writing for his lifetime. This was it. And he didn't want any... Loose corners. What, what, what am I thinking? But loose. Loose ends. Loose ends. He didn't want any but loose ends. But it's a fiction book. People know that fiction is fiction. You don't take everything literally in a fiction book. It's not real. Yeah, it's a fiction book. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's fiction. Yeah. It's a great fucking movie. And they also float around. Yeah. They fly. Seven. Fiction. Great movie. Fiction. People don't go chopping their heads off, putting them in boxes. To see if it'll fucking work. I'm not saying what he did was right. I mean, I'm saying what he did. It was unnecessary. It makes sense. I'm not saying it's right. I don't think it makes sense. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying I get it. I get. I get what he was trying to do, and I think he fucked up really fucking bad. I and think he either he had found out, something psychologically wrong at that point to where he couldn't see the signs and symptoms of what he was doing. Or he, it was an accident. Just a sheer accident. I'm never going to know what he wrote. But I bet you everything he wrote, he tested. Which is why he had a goddamn bulletproof vest and brass knuckles and money and a pistol. All the stuff on him was things that worked. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't discovered here. Oh, nobody took a picture of me here. All, all this. You know, all these, whatever facet, character, you know... Whatever happened with his character, he was like, okay, all this is working. I can write this. This is actually working. In a real-world environment, this is working. And then they came in, and then they fucking put a rope around his neck and threw him out the window. Okay, well, everything else is working so far. Fuck it. And then, you know, Billy and Erica are talking about it on a <laughs> podcast where he fucking died. I don't know what happened. I am leaning toward death by misadventure. I have to agree. I just don't... I don't think he actively put himself out that window. I can't believe anyone would do that. I it could have happened, but it's... I personally think the last thoughts in his head were, I fucked up. True. And what makes it more true is... The rest of the book was never written. No, it does not work. That what whatever you wrote, everything up until now was feasible. This was not. And guess what? 
you kind of fucking found that one out. Yeah. How's that feel? He found out the hard way. I bet you in the afterlife, if, if, if there is a heaven, he got up there and he was like, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. It did not. Fuck, I should have wrote something different. I'm swinging. There's my shoe. There it went. <laughs> there were my bowels. Son of a bitch. This is how they're going to remember me. You know, I bet I'm going to be on a podcast someday. <laughs> Even though that was nothing thought of in 1996. I got you, guy. Right here. <laughs> right. Up top, guy. We got you, Eugene Izzy. Dead? Yes. Yes. Good writer? I don't know. Haven't read anything of his. Gonna try. But, uh, I, I, I'm still kind of torn. I, I don't know. It seems like nothing makes sense other than an accident. I think he got so lost in his head and in his writing, he did something very foolish. Honestly. Real Billy talking. I think that he got so enwrapped in his writing, so enwrapped in his success, and so enwrapped and brought down by his failure that he did something very foolish. He paid the ultimate price. Yeah, that does that that's really what I think. Izzy guy. Hey guy. I'm sorry you're dead. It's unfortunate. I I, I think we both agree it was something accidental. It wasn't intended to happen. So, very unfortunate. So, you guys get on social media. Tell us what you think about this case. I was super excited to cover this night, and we've been talking for a really long time now about it. So yeah, get on social media. Let us know your thoughts, your opinions. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis and the Macabre, and Twitter at Martinis underscore Macabre. Visit our website with a full episode catalog. It's martinisandthemacabre.com. There is also a page for all of the music we play at the end of each episode, which is done by Phaser765, who is transitioning to Minimus Noah. Actually, at this point, he he's already put himself out. His name is Noah Jones. Um, he's on Facebook. <laughs> he, already, he, he already shared it to our Martinez yeah. Omicop page. And he goes, he's now yeah. going by Minimus Noah on his music, which you can now find on iTunes. So make sure when you get on the website to check out the music page. There's a fully playable track listing of all the songs that he's written. There's also a link on there to his iTunes where you can buy his newest album, Views. So check that out. Very exciting. We will... I, I downloaded it. Okay. Okay. So we are very excited about that. Also on our website, there is a link to our newly made Patreon page. You can click the Donate Now button and it will link you to our Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash martinis and the macabre. There are six different tiers. I did put out a Patreon announcement just like last week. So go back and listen to that. It's actually labeled Patreon announcement. I love that announcement. And it tells you what each tier is, how much each tier is, and what kind of perks you get for each one. I make things. Yes, Billy makes things. So right now, as... Uh, mentioned previously in the episode we've got three awesome patreon donations from kate hunter and cooper you guys are amazing thank you so much and honestly this is not something where we're trying to ask you guys for money people have asked us if we had a patreon and we thought at this point over a year in 
we've put out a lot of money to do this and it is a labor of love, but you know, it'd be nice to kind of recoup some of that money and possibly put towards in the future coming back with some more merch for you guys, uh, possibly getting shirts and stuff in the future. So get on there now. Even a dollar will get you a shout out here on the show. And uh, we look forward to any donations that you might give us. And we thank you in advance. We truly appreciate it. So thanks, you guys. And we will be recording soon um, the bonus content for our Patreon. We haven't quite narrowed down just yet exactly what we're going to hit on for that one. We have a basic idea. And we plan on every month um, with the new patrons mailing out the stuff that you'll receive probably at the beginning of each month. So all of you that joined this month, we will start sending your stuff out in the beginning of May. So look forward to that. Of course, we want to thank Phaser765 slash Minimus Noah. I'm still trying to get used to the Minimus Noah thing because we've been calling him Phaser for so long. Um, We want to thank him for the artwork we use on the show. Um, We may actually be getting a new thumbnail soon. We may have a pretty exciting announcement for you guys coming up shortly. So make sure you're following us on social media so you can be in the loop on all of our new and upcoming shit coming your way. Make sure you find Minimus Noah wherever you can. Support him in his ventures as an amazing 13-year-old that makes awesome music. I'll be making, uh, putting another new one at the end of this episode. Hope you guys enjoy that. And as you heard at the beginning of the podcast, Forgotten News Podcast is actually a podcast that I have done some voiceovers for. So if you're interested in strange, obscure, old news that's happened a long time ago, go listen to them. Jim Goodluck puts together a good show, and I've been happy to participate in some voiceovers for him. So you can check me out there, too. She's so great. So make sure you listen to them, too. With that said, I think that wraps everything up. Stay safe, and we'll see you in two weeks. I'm going to give Erica a bunch of kisses. Bye. Bye.
I hate Nokia. Sent me to the fucking hospital. That's a different story for a different day. The Nokia didn't send you, hun. The butterfly knife did. Your stupidity did. <laughs>